What do you know about that, man? <laughs> that was pretty fun. <laughs> That's what they say, isn't the it? Fox is, the fox is the founder of Stink Lake's mind. Oh, there's so many sayings. There's so many sayings. You, don't, you never know who it was. <laughs> All right, let's just get started. I'm Chase Winninger, host of the podcast. we got Lee McClellan, co-host of the podcast. All right, how's everybody doing? And today's guest, Mike Harden. Mike Harden. You are Thanks. the assistant director of fisheries. I am, that's right. On for the second time. And musky guru. Musky guru. I hear that you White bass guru, too. No, and the people tell me you're a, I mean, you're, you obviously do it all. White bass, musky. I mean, you hunt a lot, right? I, I like to do it all. Pretty, pretty much all. still like to do it all. Exactly. That, that's, that's what I like to hear. So, there's a few things I wanted to talk about today. But first, I just wanted to point something out and kind of run into a topic with it. Yeah. Our YouTube, over the past two years has blown up. And this is something I, I briefly mentioned before we actually got started. But in the past two years, our YouTube's been around for about 12 or 14 years, okay? In the last two years, we've doubled in subscribers and we've doubled in our revenue that we're bringing in. And every bit of revenue that comes through our YouTube channel goes back to the Department for Conservation, okay? So when somebody watches a video and they get an ad, we get like five cents or something, okay? But so annually, we're bringing in more money than we did over a 10 year stretch before that now. So it's, I mean, it's absolutely blown through the roof and some of our videos have gone viral and that's part of it. Some of those videos include carp madness one, which was the, uh, commercial fishing tournament. Carp madness two just blew up. And some, for some reason over the past week, the alligator gar video, the release of alligator gar in the green river, mm -hmm. that one's blown up as well. So those are three videos that I thought were kind of related to what you do. I'm not sure which exact area of fisheries that you oversee, but I'm sure you have some knowledge of all those things, right? Right. And there's some news right now on the carp front as well. I just read in the magazine recently. So I thought maybe we could talk about the Asian carp a little bit. And I wanted to bring up some of these YouTube comments because they are ridiculous. One of the first things, because I'm in charge of the YouTube now, right? So one of the first things I do every morning when I come in is I get on YouTube and I approve comments. And I have to see all the ridiculous things that people type and hit enter on like have what and so I, most of them i can't read some of them i can't approve i mean it's just ridiculous stuff but some of the ideas that go through people's heads as far as related to alligator gar somebody this morning told me that an alligator gar came out of the water and ate their <laughs> small dog off the bank of the river <clears throat> I mean, is that possible? I mean, there's no way. I chewed off my leg. Yeah. <laughs> what, what color was that dog? Yeah, what color was that dog? I mean, some of the stuff people say is just ridiculous. It's like you, you're literally commenting right now, seriously, that an alligator guard jumped out of the river and ate your dog off the bank. I mean, some of it's tongue-in-cheek, it has to be. I mean, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Or... So I went through and I, was, I got some of these comments, and these aren't in a particular order. I think the first couple are off of a uh, uh, carp madness video, right? And this this carp madness video is the bow fishing tournament we held last year, and of course carp madness is related to Asian carp, mainly in the two big lakes, Kentucky and Barkley, and on the tailwaters of those lakes, right? And do you have knowledge of those areas? I'm sure you mean. It's Sure. Something you guys deal with quite a bit, it, right? It is. We've got that. We've got our got our effort to try to clean that up and control it. Yeah. And uh, and Director Brooks has done a tremendous job of no, that. It's a, it's a it's a uphill climb though, right? I mean, it's these carp. The thing is, I mean, these Asian carp are in all the waterways: the Illinois River, Mississippi River, Ohio River, um, Kentucky River, 
I know that, I mean, they're in Shelby County at the base of Guest Creek. So obviously they've pretty much expanded everywhere in the way that it seems to me they all originated from um, ponds in Arkansas, right? And, yeah, down the Mississippi. And <clears> yeah. They escaped some of those ponds. They were, they a were imported in the 70s to control um, vegetation in the minnow-rearing ponds. Yeah, and Arkansas is in mainly Arkansas. where I hear. So they were originally maybe a handful, a couple hundred of these carp escaped into the Mississippi, right? Mm -hmm. And then that's where the problem is exploded from. Well, the 93 flood. Yeah, if you'll remember, was monstrous, and that that flooded a lot of those ponds, and they escaped. A lot of escaped during that. Those are the floods that that broke down levees, mm -hmm. and, and uh, you know, inundated that, the floodplains where where some of these ponds are. I tell you what, you and, seem just a little bit quiet to me, Mike. I'm going to turn you up. Keep talking for me. Well, I'm going to and, and you know, the carp is just extremely prolific, mm -hmm. and uh, and very good at what they do. They're very efficient filter feeders, and that the, their instinct is to migrate. Correct. Yeah, they're they're made for river systems, and, and that's why that's what they're doing. They're, they're going up rivers, and we see them up our tributaries, Salt River, Kentucky River, and of course our big rivers, and they're threatening the lakes. And and uh, you know the states more than just Kentucky and Tennessee's yeah. now worried about it. Well, I mean, I think that there's a billion dollars spent annually up at, in Illinois at the in Michigan trying to keep them from getting into the Great Lakes, right? right. So, just in summary, before I, I read these some of these comments. Um, last year we held a bow fishing tournament and the idea of the tournament wasn't really to eliminate the carp. We wanted to kill as many as we could, but it was to get more people interested in going down there to bow fish for them because every little bit helps. And I think we got like 26,000 pounds out of the and, lake. And we had some bad weather. And oh, there was a tornado. Day. There was yeah. a, there was literally a tornado that night. We sat back and watched it. The bow fishing? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that I was one. at the original Cart Madness. Yeah, that one got 87,000 <clears> pounds. So between our two events of the department's us, we're looking at probably 100,000 pounds out of the lake. And that's, I hate to say it, a drop in the bucket. That's, yeah. But the idea is to bring attention to the problem and hopefully get more people commercial fishing for them or get more people bow fishing for them. And I know that commercial fishing video on YouTube has had a million something views. So, I mean, and all it takes is the right person getting reached to make an impact, you know what I mean? Like the right person sees that and has an idea, something clicks and then some action gets taken and maybe something gets done. And, and there's a lot of awareness now. And, and yeah. you know, I have to really give a, give tip my hat to, to Ron Brooks, the director, yeah. and, he, and he's, he's done a lot. He's yeah. taken the message to Washington and, and people are listening, they're hearing, yeah. and he's building coalitions and he's trying to uh, work with the commercial fishing industry to uh, try to control these cars because they're hard to control. It's nature. Oh, yeah. You're out in the wild. Well, they're and, one of the most ridiculously unique species of fish I've ever seen. They and move. That, they're made for rivers. They move, you know, great distances. All right. Here's the first comment that they're I got. They're ugly as a mud fence. I don't <laughs> know what a mud fence are. is. I, I feel like that's an insult to a mud fence, whatever that is. <laughs> you know what? You know, as far as the commercial fishing goes, the, the meat is really mild and white. Mm -hmm. and uh, Just that top part, though. Everything else is a bone. Yeah. But that top yeah. filet is actually. It's, it's a, I ate it last year here. Yeah. The Slato sampler, but it's over the first com comment on the bow fishing tournament video that I screenshotted was uh, why not electrofish the crap out of the carp? I can say crap on this, right? <laughs> I mean, that's not a word. That's a so why not electrofish the crap out of the carp? It's um, and the thing is, the way they respond to electrofishing is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. The, this fish is a, is really kind of amazing, it has, as big a problem as it is. Yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing in its sensory. Yeah, it's a, it's lateral lines, right? Yeah, right, and and you know when they they sense that electric field, 
at They're a very much greater, yeah. make much greater distance than what we see some of our native fish. Yeah. So you know, we bring that electric field, you'll see them, you know, hundred yards off, starting yeah. to pop up and, and skyrocket. But even if you electrofish them, you still have to capture them. You gotta get them out of the river. Yeah. Well, people, a lot of people think that when you electrofish, that you that you either kill or you capture all those fish. No. no. Well, the thing is, like you said, so we went and we tried to electrofish them um, a couple of years ago. And what they do, so basically the, the largemouth bass, the crappie, the catfish, whatever you want to electrofish, you can get close enough to them before they sense it to where you can actually shock them and they'll float up and you can scoop them up with the net, right? But the carp, like you said, they're unique. They have lateral lines, which is how a fish senses what's around it in the water that are much more sensitive, I guess. Is that is that true to say? I would say that's fair with this yeah. species. And this species can sense that electricity coming towards it so much further off than all those other fish can that they just get out of the way. Like you can't electrofish them. Well, and the, and the electricity field that, it, that, that stuns a fish is not that great. So if you're in deep water, you're not getting fish that are blowing. Mm -hmm. They're on the edge of it. They, they coast. Even yeah. if they're stunned, they'll coast out of your ability to, yeah. or your range to your dip net range. So mm -hmm. people just don't realize that they're so much more sensitive of but a fish to sound. That's why they jump so much. But yeah. you know, a Chinese technique that I talked about in the piece was they use sound and big nets, and they drive them into these big nets, and they get fantastic. They're they're um, <clears throat> they're experimenting with using those techniques here. And that's to, up, to, up to take. And that's a good piece, Lee. I mean, if, if folks haven't seen it, that piece in the the new Kentucky Field Magazine. Yeah, it's a really to, good piece. I just wanted to talk about that, actually. Oh, cool. Because, I mean... Well, I, I made it all up, but I appreciate it. <laughs> you made it all <laughs> up. <laughs> and never let truth get in this story, right? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, I, I did want to talk about that. Let me, oh, let me flip through and see. Uh, this comment, collect the native biomass from the waters and store it safely. Then poison the water to kill everything. Not a good idea. <laughs> not, a good idea. <laughs> not, not practical, not a good idea. I mean, it's a, there's also, nothing about that. that what is, about the little microinvertebrates and mussels? And all, I mean, you... No, he wants to get... He wants to somehow... This person, let me see their name. Peter. Yeah, it's a he. They, they want to collect everything from the lake other than the Asian carp and then poison the Asian carp. Well, if we could do that, why wouldn't we just collect all the Asian carp? Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? But, but the good news with that is... that. People are paying attention. Yeah. and they're concerned, and mm -hmm. so and that and that's a good thing that people are concerned. Yes, they, um, you know, I was fishing Kentucky Lake 10, 12 years ago, and I was like, "Well, that's the weirdest looking school of shad I've ever seen." And they came by, and they were a lot longer, and, and that was the first school of Asian carp I witnessed with my eyes. Yeah, I mean, you can see them in the Kentucky <clears throat> River down here in the summertime, and, and you see the bees coming up the river, mm -hmm. and it's and they're coming through filter feeding. And, which makes really good for, for bow fishing, but you know, it's sad to see Asian carp take over the river. I mean, yeah, people enjoy it, but at the same time, all the resources. And if they get into the Great Lakes, you're looking at an industry being damaged by it because they actually do do big-time commercial fishing on the Great Lakes, right? Yeah. It's Not just that, and, and recreation at the same time. I mean, people getting out there skiing, boating. I mean, who wants to go skiing when you got a 85-pound big head carp jumping and hitting you in the gut at 60 miles <laughs> but, an hour? And, and I'll tell you like, what, though, I mean, from a sport fishing angle, the two lakes out west are are, are the best and some of the best in the country. That's so, true. I mean, from, oh, from, a, from a sheer impact to the sport fishing industry, that's a big hit out there if, they, if these things can't be controlled. I did see where somebody pulled like a forty pound bag out of Kentucky Lake two days ago. I saw it. A, saw it a five fish limit. Yeah. They had like two nine or ten pounders. Was that on Facebook? Yeah, I saw like uh, I can't not remember one of the big time Facebook fishing pages like a. I can't remember what it's called, but they, they picked it up. I saw it a few days before 
on something else. But I mean, like 40 pound bags coming out of Kentucky Lake, you can't really complain too much about that. But at the same time, I mean, people say it's taking an impact and it might be taking more of an impact on the bluegill and crappie and red ear numbers. I don't know. Mike's an expert, not me. So I'm surprised that I looked at the water temperature and so it's still 47 degrees. In Barkley and Kentucky. Yeah. Surprised it's not warmer than that. And we, me too. We were on Dale two weeks ago and it was fifty degrees back in the back in the cuts. And it seems like Dale's a lot deeper, clearer lake. Mm-hmm. You would expect Kentucky and Barkley to warm up a little bit quicker. It has so much water coming in, I yeah, can say it's so much water. I mean when the, when Cumberland was spilling sixty thousand yeah. uh, cubic feet, the big lake out there was spilling you know, twice that almost. No, it was like three hundred thousand. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was, one it was of the other one on Kentucky Lake, I was like, Oh my god. No, we did the math on the uh, on our Facebook page. Me and Chad driving back from Dale that same day I was telling you two weeks ago. We did the math on uh, how much water Cumberland was putting out. I wouldn't sweat that. And uh, and we put that on Facebook just to like kind of give people an idea how much water there was, right? And then it was enough water to where this is our stupid math. This is what happens when you're just bored in the truck for two mm-hmm. and a half hours. It was enough water that if it was gasoline, every driving American, I think there's 210 million drivers, licensed drivers in the U.S., could have enough gasoline per day to drive from Miami, Florida to Alaska. For, and that's somehow where our math led us. So we put the math on Facebook. You can check it out if you want to. It's all it's all legit. But um, That was gas. That's a lot of fishing trips. Yes. No doubt. Yes. But so I then, just wouldn't mind it from working back for him. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. Uh, somebody in response to us, though, said, you ought to check out the numbers on uh, Kentucky Lake. And it was like 300,000 CFS, mm-hmm. which was 50. Incredible. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. But, yeah, so that's probably why that lake is cool. You're right. But what I was wanting to get to, so I just wanted to point out, some. those were some of the ridiculous YouTube comments. And I literally get comments every day that I cannot approve. It's like, okay, well, that is way over the line or too much cussing or like that's just completely off topic so i can't approve them unfortunately but i mean i probably go through and on average approve 50 youtube comments every morning it's what i do when i eat my breakfast a tuna fish sandwich and youtube comments to get my day started every single day tuna for breakfast every day you gotta you gotta start the day off right so um a few more so one of the other videos like i said blew up recently is also related to carp that's the alligator gar video and that has to do with us releasing alligator gar in the Green River, was it? We're not putting them in the Green. Where do we put them we at? We put them out west. This, was, this was 10 years ago. Yeah. So yeah. it was 10 years ago exactly, 2009. What do we do? No, we're out of Shan, stuff like that. Right, out in the Mississippi uh, drainage mm-hmm. and, and those tribs and just uh, and maybe a little bit up in the Ohio River. But uh, that, that's kind of their native range when they came through, when they mm-hmm. uh, original range through Kentucky. And uh, that's their native habitat. So... Uh, so that's we we've got a limited stocking and reintroduction program down there for, uh, for that native range. Okay, so and then for people who don't know, alligator gar the largest of the gar species, right? It is, and I don't I don't know if, if people read you know they get the Bass Pro magazine. Probably a lot of the audience here does, but I don't know if you saw Johnny Morris' son with the big alligator gar. From, I think it was down in Texas. Oh, Texas it, was that in Bassmaster? No, it was just in the catalog. And it, Oh, I, I saw that. Oh, Texas has the biggest ones. I mean, they get up to 170 pounds. Well, I've heard it back in the day, 300 pounds. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. They're just a long-lived ancient species of fish. Yeah, but they're huge. And the gar you see around here, long nose, short nose, spot. Out, I mean, those, those gar are, you I mean, they might be four feet long, but they weigh all of eight pounds. Right. You know what I mean? So a much different species. And it, it kind of amazes me in these YouTube comments how often people confuse those gar with alligator gar. 
They're like, well, I saw 50 of them on the bank of the Kentucky the other day. Well, I doubt those were alligator guard. Mm, no, but, but you know, growing up, you know, a lot of the other folks would just refer to any guard as an alligator guard. Mm -hmm. You know, the head kind of looks like They all have teeth. I mean, I guess, and honestly, a long nose kind of has alligator-looking teeth. I mean, mm -hmm. they kind of stick out of the mouth all jagged. That's one of my favorite fish to fish for, by the way. Um, several on the creek. You know, but I usually had to say goodbye to my jerk. They always no. hit a jerk bait, plastic jerk bait. Oh, man. I, I, I literally keep baits in my tackle box or on the side of my kayak just for them. Because if I get into a school of them or see a bunch of them up there, I mean, sight fishing is one of the funnest ways to fish there is. If, if that's funnest to real work. It's one of the most fun ways to fish that there actually is, you know. So if I see a bunch of gar and smallmouth aren't biting, you bet I'm tying up and trying to catch gar. I've noticed if there's a lot of gar in a hole, though, the smallmouth are usually wearing. Well, I feel like when it get, the water gets warm, those gar get up on the surface and they get over to the banks. And if you can find like a mud flat, I'm not mm -hmm. sure why. But I've, I've seen them stacked in by the hundreds before. And it's not like they're being super active trying to kill everything in sight. Like you can catch smallmouth on one side of the creek and go over there in the sun. You got all these gar just floating up on top of the water. And you can't make a cast through them with an inline spinner like a MEPS mm -hmm. or something like that. Without them smacking it. I mean, you just run it across their nose, and they're going to bite it. Oh, we used to do that. We'd just find the big schools like you're yeah. talking about, and uh, and uh, Dad and I'd be fishing, and we'd throw on a bait with uh, a little bit of that nylon rope. In behind yeah. It. yeah, that's what I always had. Yeah, yeah they, they hit it. When they hit it, it tangles in their teeth, yeah. and you can catch them like that. But surprisingly, when we got a school like that, you catch one or two, and the rest seemed to wise up. Mm -hmm. And uh, they would, they'd be a little spooky after that. Harrington was full of them. We've we, we hooked a million. I mean, they're in all the creeks that connect to rivers. Me and my buddy Spencer, we used to go when I lived in Richmond. We'd take the boat out on the uh, Kentucky River. We'd put in, what's a dead-end road? There's a boat ramp down there. We built it because we acquired it from a meth lab. Um, Poozy Ridge? Poozy Ridge. It used to be somebody was uh, making meth back there, and the state acquired their property, and we bought it, and we built a boat ramp. So if you ever go to Poozy Ridge, just know that. It was a crude, before, there's always been kind of a crude ramp there anyway, before we built it, or bought it. We would put in a Poozy Ridge there, and we'd run up, and we'd find those gar and big stacks up on the banks in the heat of the summer. And I remember one time, uh, I was casting, and my, my pole was in the water, and he caught one, and I put my pole down, and I went to help him out. Next thing I know, there goes my pole off the front of the boat. It just got taken in. And uh, it was like my favorite pole, rod and reel the same, at that time it was my favorite. And we fished for probably 15 minutes, and we got about 150 yards down the bank. And I looked over the edge, and there was my rod and reel stuck in a tree, right? And so I picked it up. I was like, oh, my gosh, my rod and reel. I grabbed it out of the water, and I started reeling it, and the fish was still on there. And I caught him. 15 minutes later, he'd taken my rod and reel like 150 yards. If he wasn't there, nobody would believe me, but... I've got a witness for that one, so it was one of the cooler things, though. Anyway, those uh, YouTube comments on the gar, a lot of people, because it just 10 years ago was like a month ago that we put this video out, so a lot of people are saying, 10-year uh, update, please, let us know how they're doing. Um, this person says uh, they got addicted to heroin and are currently trying to clean up, clean up their act. This person says... Uh, my friend at work said she had her small dog on the bank of the Green River and it got eaten about three months ago. I always thought she was mistaken until now. This person says they all died due to climate change. I mean, these some that's what I'm saying, though. This is what I have to deal with every single morning when I come <laughs> in here. Is people not knowing anything at all. And this person says, just toss them off a bridge. Nice method of release. Because that's how we release them, right? We just kind of shoot them out of the truck off a bridge. And I guess they survived just fine there, right? Yeah, we got we got some small county bridges and so forth that we we dump. I guess yeah, I guess your average person just sees 
um, fish, and we do this for trout, catfish, mm-hmm. yeah, all kinds of cold. fish. And I mean, we stock them out here. We just shoot them out of the stocking truck, and they land in the water ten well, feet below. We're not stocking them on rocks. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously they're in water when they hit. Yeah, right? and boat ramps too. I mean, we yeah. put them in on boat ramps. Too. Yeah. So I mean, but this is some of the some of the comments I thought would be fun to throw past you guys. Obviously, I don't have all the ones I wanted to, but a lot of people are making jokes on our on our YouTube channel about like how these gar are doing. I, some people said they saw one driving a rolls around Bel Air last week, or <laughs> I mean, just like being kind of smart to each other and stuff like that. But I wanted to get an update on the uh, the carp because I saw that in the magazine, and I've been bombarded with it every single morning. So give me a quick rundown on what's going on with the uh, the new sound barrier. Or whatever you want, because because it kind of seems like it's a little bit more than just well, sound. It's not operational yet. They're going to test it this summer, correct? That's right. And uh, bioacoustic like, uh, fish fence, yeah. BAFF. Yeah, sometime around Bath. June, it looks like they may they may be implemented. Sometime and where this is going to go? It's basically designed for the Asian carp that we were talking about a minute ago. We want to try to keep them from continuing to run upstream. They're obviously in the Mississippi, which mm-hmm. gets them into the Ohio, which gets them into the Tennessee or Kentucky, yeah, all the Tennessee all the river especially. I mean, yeah, trying to keep them from getting any further up Tennessee. So they're they're in Kentucky Lake already, but if we can keep more from coming into Kentucky Lake, then we can do something about the numbers. So this is going to go on the lock system yeah, on Barkley. On Barkley. Mm-hmm. So this is going to go across the uh, the lock on the downstream side of Lake Barkley. Because when they lock ships through, the Asian carp come through. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the one, people might think, well, there's no chance this is going to work because they're obviously going to keep spawning in the lake. And if it started with just a handful of them, how are we going to do anything about the numbers? But uh, to this point, from what I read, there are only two documented mm-hmm. spawns yes. in history. So they, in all the years they've been there, they've only actually had two age group classes, mm-hmm. right? Yes. That have, that have, and another. speaking of videos, Adam Martin did a really good video on the Western uh, Fisheries District Facebook page <clears throat> about this, and he explained it, and I thought it was really well done. Is that still out there? If that's still out there, you can... Uh, yeah, you can... Yeah, you, you can... be interested to go I, see that. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's well done. Out of all of our fisheries people, Adam does by far the best job with mm-hmm. getting videos out there. Yeah, he's, he did, this one was really, really well done. And uh, the, the thing is, is that they don't spawn that well in the lake environment. That's one of the things he's saying is, is a... If this bath system works, that in combination with spotty reproduction, we could. He said the numbers in Barkley are, are diminishing. Yeah, and fishing them down a little bit, and, maybe, and, maybe. and also Barkley's shallower, a little smaller, a little easier to fish mm-hmm. than Kentucky Lake. So mm-hmm. commercial fishing is having a greater impact. So I mean, the overall situation isn't the best, but. It's good to see that, that we are making some advances and, and that we are making some progress. Well, if this BAFF system, B-A-F-F, if this works, then basically just in summary what you're saying is we could keep more fish from coming from coming, in there, from yes. coming up the river into the lakes. And then because they don't really spawn in the lakes themselves, like we said, over the course of 20 years. 2010 and 2015 is only documented spawn. Yeah. Before. And those are the only spawns, and we've had we've had kills during that same amount of time. I know I was down there two years ago fishing with Jim Doom, and there was dead and dying Asian carp all over the banks. Isn't that great? Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was. I couldn't have gotten every one. I mean, it was interesting. I we were bluegill and red ear fishing, and like I would see this really skinny silver carp, and it would just be swimming around in the shallows, and it'd swim its nose up into the rocks, and then it'd get off the rocks, and I, I literally went down there and I just like 
grabbed it with my hands. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, so, I mean, you almost feel bad for the fish, but at the same time, knowing it's an Asian carp, it's like, well, I wish I had a harpoon with me mm -hmm. so I could just go ahead and kill this thing. But, um, so there's a chance that if the bath system works, that some real damage could be done to the Asian carp in the lakes, which is the, the goal ultimately. And you know, the one thing is those lakes are connected by a channel. There is mm -hmm. a, there is a channel that connects the two of them. So I guess that's kind of a curious question I have is we need it on both locks. Yeah. If we, and I think, I think one of the goals with this is let's try this out and see if it, yeah. see if it works. works first. I'm sure it's not the cheapest thing in the world mm -hmm. to install. But I was looking, and I, I'm assuming you guys dumbed down this diagram so your average person could kind of understand it. Because honestly, it looks like something a kindergartner designed to me. It's like let's put bubbles, lights, and sound. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I mean, it just it's, that's it, what it is. No, it is what it is. But I'm assuming a little more thought went into it than just like let's make some bubble lights and sound. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I mean, uh, you don't know what sounds going to deter a yeah, Asian car, but as it turns out, the sound of a boat motor is about the best sound. Well, it's because, like I said earlier, the uh, lateral lines are so. Yeah sensitive on them that they sense that and it's not i mean maybe a catfish would be willing to swim through some bubbles with some lights and sound next to it but an asian carp is so sensitive to it it's like what page is that lee 16 mm -hmm. i'll just find it mine here we go yeah the bath system bioacoustic fish vents wall of light wall of sound wall of bubbles mm -hmm. and that's going to go across the lock because obviously aren't they aren't like trout jumping up the dams so hopefully this would keep them from coming through. And this has already been in place up on the Illinois River, right? I believe so. At the base of the Great Lakes? Mm -hmm. Is that right, Mike? I can't remember if they've got the bath system. they got electric system up there. They've got electric, yes. they got so, fish, electric fish right, runs up there. Right. Is this article going to be available online somewhere? Um, I would like that. So I would like to send people to it if we could without having to... I mean, I'm not sure if somebody could still get the winter edition magazine right now if they wanted to. Maybe your barber has it on the table. Well, we, I mean, that'd be no problem to put a PDF of it on. Yeah. On well, I mean, it's, a, it's like a main headlining article here. Mm -hmm. But I just thought it was and kind people of... People are very interested in that. Yeah. I wanted people to be able to know what was being done and what was new as far as the Asian carp front goes. Mm -hmm. And I wanted people to know kind of why the Asian carp was such a problem, how they became a problem, and what we've tried to do already. So that was part of the alligator gar, something we've tried to do already, which was kind of just more of a reintroduce a natural predator to the waterways to see if we could cut down on the number of Asian carp being reproduced. But honestly, when they do reproduce in the rivers, they do it at such a high rate that I don't know if a natural predator could do anything about it because they aren't a natural species. That's right. That's right. And, you know, you've seen other species do that too, like the zebra mussel. Mm -hmm. I don't know much about the zebra mussel. And then, you know, they boom and bust, but... Uh, but this one's right now, it's on the boom mm -hmm. side of it, and there's really no signs of the bust. Of the bust, I know. They really are just the ugliest fish. I'm looking at the picture oh, something right here. They look like something from outer space. The other day we were uh, Don't out, you think? We were out fishing, and Chad had his daughter fishing with us, right? And he was trying to explain to her where to put your bait in the water. He kept telling her these fish are going to be at about 15 feet. So you want to fish, you know, between 12 and 14. And she just kept on, like, letting way too much line out. And he, he held one of the fish, and he said, you see where this fish's eyes are at? They're on top of its head. So they see what's above them. He said, if you put that bait below them in the water, they, you really have no chance of catching them. You need to keep your bait just above where the fish are. And these fish, when you look at them, their eyes are actually on the bottom mm -hmm. of their heads. Which is kind of, that's why they're so ugly. It's because their eyes are down on the bottom of their faces. But it's because they're plankton and bottom feeders, mm -hmm. right? Yes. So maybe that's why they do so well here is because they're actually better designed or better 
what's the word for what's Darwin? What's Darwin have to do? Evolved. Oh. They're better evolved species. Sometimes I just have these little moments, but they're better evolved to actually do what they need to do to survive, which is eat plankton and eat stuff off the bottom, right? Very good at what they do. Yeah, mm -hmm. extremely good. So I don't know if you've seen them before, but sometimes you can see them when, they, when they're off of the channel. Yeah. In some slack water, you can see a little wake on top of the water, and they're, and they're pumping with their mouth. And if you go over there, they, there's actually a whirlpool. And they just they pull so much water through their mouth at once while they filter feed. Mm. And I, but also, you know, they'll swim and filter feed as well. So what do you mean there's a whirlpool? Created by one fish or a bunch of no, them? No, just one fish when he's flexing his mouth. He, he may find a, a sweet spot of plankton and, mm. and, uh, and feeds on it. Now, I've seen that in the Kentucky River. Huh. And uh, you see this little whirlpool over there. You go there and there'll be a big carp on it. And all fish feed on plankton when they're babies, correct? Oh, no matter right. of species. That's right. So that's that's, right. that's con very concerning. Yeah, so well, obviously. That's, that's the competition. That's where they, that's that's the danger, actually. Yeah, earlier you said, I guess we probably should have been more clear on that. You said that they're um, a threat to the sport fishing. They aren't a threat to the sport fishing because they're going to eat the bass or because they're going to eat the bluegill or whatever you like to fish for. They're a threat because they outcompete mm -hmm. all the fry for food. So then you're. Your um, age, your year classes, your reproduced spawn of bass and bluegill and everything else is just going to starve out and not going to do as well. I mean, fewer will survive, and you're going to end up in 10 years down the road having many, many less five-pound bass than you would have because the Asian carp outcompeted them 10 years prior when they were all fried. Right? Yeah. So that's pretty much the, that's right. So the, when the bass spawn, yeah. there's a week or two where they're going to need some plankton to eat. Yeah. If there's no plankton to eat, then they don't survive yeah. yeah and that's uh coming down to the asian carp i'm looking at this map here on page 19 and it's um it kind of shows some affected waterways mm -hmm. and i'm obviously this doesn't include all waterways because the kentucky river itself isn't highlighted there and i know for a fact that uh people go up into shelby county right here mm -hmm. and bowfish form at the base of guest creek which i mean is way you got to go mm -hmm. up the kentucky river or up the salt river and well, so Guest Creek does. Yeah, the low tails of the Lake Dam. Yeah, right. yeah, I've seen people uh, snagfish for them down there. So they're obviously in the Salt River, and if they're in Guest Creek, uh, I think Guest Creek hits the Salt River downstream of Taylorsville. It actually flows into Brashear, right? Yep. right. And then Brashear flows into the Salt River. So they've come up from the Salt River up through Brashear Creek. I'm guessing over Pickett's Dam mm -hmm. into Clear Creek and into Guest Creek. I mean, literally, if it weren't for dams, they'd probably be everywhere. Mm -hmm. so, Guest Creek is not a big creek. No, yeah. Guest Creek is tiny. It's tiny. tiny. It's not a big river. It's, I mean, the, the water down there below the dam is literally inches deep in normal conditions in the summer. I mean, I go down there and I fish for a saw guy, and I uh, just gave away my spot. Oh, <laughs> I'm deleting that <laughs> part. Yeah, you got to edit that part out. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, I've walked down there to Guest Creek a couple times before, and uh, the water is literally just inches deep, right? And it doesn't seem like many fish at all would survive, but then you go up to the dam, and there's eight pound Asian carp up there. And somehow they're swimming up through that slack water and just getting stuck against the dam. And some of my buddies used to work at the water plant, which is right there on Guest Creek at the, uh, the tailwaters. I mean, they would just walk out there in their spare time and shoot them. So mm -hmm. it's amazing where they're at. Now, I think I tried to tell one of the fisheries guys, I don't know who it was, but I was like, hey, just so you know, there are Asian carp at the base of Guest Creek Lake. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, we know. They're, they're pretty much everywhere. Salt River, Guest Creek. It's a, it's a big issue. But this map doesn't really do it justice where all they're at in the state. Because where is the Kentucky River? It flows up right through here, right? Yeah, in the middle of Yeah. 
Because I see the, the forks of the Kentucky River right here. Yeah, it goes in there at Carrollton. That's where it hits Ohio River. Yeah. Anyway, huge, huge, huge issue. Well, for them to be in Gist Creek, you know, I mean, that just kind of tells the tale that they're searching out and expanding, trying mm -hmm. to, because they're still on the boom phase. They could, honestly, I would not be that amazingly surprised if they could make it up to Gist Creek. Not the spillway, but up the actual, what's it called, the chute of water yeah, that's yeah. constantly flowing. What What is that called? Like in it's the dam. That's <laughs> literally what it's called. No, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's not the uh, the overflow, not the actual dam itself, but there is a constant flow of water coming out the side of that dam. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it drops through that tower and comes through there. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if in high water conditions they could actually make it through that, if they could make it up that far. But a lot of fish <clears throat> come through. I've been standing down there before and just watched like a five-pound drum come splashing through the thing there and other other types of fish as well but anyway fish, fish are amazingly strong like that too. Mm -hmm. no, like even below cave run i've seen muskie jump up into the the spillway there into the, the pipe and uh, go up in there the water run about 250 cfs you know no rocks no eddies and it'd be up there for about 15 minutes and it finally come back out well muskie's one of the strongest fish pretty strong i mean they're the fastest freshwater fish in the u.s i think they say they can at burst swim 36 miles an hour yeah, i believe it no, I've been driving down the road before past a body of water and I looked at my speedometer and said, man, that's pretty fast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 36 miles an hour in burst. Like, what, 12 to 1 gear ratio on the reel? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> might be faster than that. Might be faster than that. Yeah. Uh, only you would think of that, Mike. <laughs> I need to go musky fishing with you sometime soon. I'm just inviting myself. So. That's what we'll Lee, Lee keeps inviting himself to go. I was going to say, I've done it all the whole winter. We'll yeah, he, blindfold you and we'll go. <laughs> just blindfold me. I think I might be able to figure it out. I'm not allowed to use my phone while we're out there either. Can't can't look just at my maps. The GPS off. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it's a, I guess it's a circle here because Lee has invited himself to go bass fishing with me, mm -hmm. and uh, it's not happened yet. So now I'm going to invite you to go, and you need to invite yourself to go with Lee at some point. Yeah. And we'll, well, we're going to all go to the creek. How about that? Oh, like hey, I'll go to Elkhorn after work. Actually, I looked at the CFS on Elkhorn yesterday. Say it was 435 yesterday. And I just called my buddy Bobby. You know Bobby. Mm -hmm. Called him a little bit ago, and I said, man, it's about right. If we can go just another couple days without rain, we can get out there, and we can catch fish, and you can look for mushrooms, and it'll be a, a great time. So I'm kind of eyeballing Sunday. Sunday looks good. It's mm -hmm. going to rain a little bit, but it's 62 degrees, so it'll yeah. be like a warm rain. Let's see, let's see what time the rain comes in. But here within the next few weeks, I mean, I'm just dying. You know, there's no leaves on the trees yet, so it's probably still a little bit early. But I know people have been catching some bass and elkhorn. Mm -hmm. so, so oh, I've caught them in February. Oh, yeah. We're already past my first trip last year, mm -hmm. even though the I think the rain was just as bad or worse last year. Yeah, well, I was going to try to get, and then as soon as we would be thinking about it, we'd get another gully washer and then it'd be up to 2500 again this is the first time it's been for me good weightable water this year yeah it's been about a year last mm -hmm. year blown there out was, there was just really no worst year in history yeah yeah I, july two weeks in july i got two trips in and did good unless you like mud this past mm. year has been horrible yes for pretty much everything all right so my other notes i have written down here and i know you got stuff you want to talk oh, about too fine. lee NCAA tournament's going on right now. I'm going to turn this into a sports talk show real quick. Did you guys happen to watch John Morant yes. yesterday? It was intense. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was probably the funnest game. I've seen uh, Duke in person this year. I've watched Kentucky in person this year. And I think John Morant on TV yesterday was as fun as either one of them. Oh, no. His jumping ability is amazing. Oh, I mean, he's, he's a fantastic passer. 
And he's got a crossover. I mean, his handles. I've literally, he has the best crossover in the NCAA right now. And for a point guard, he can probably jump as high as anybody. Mm -hmm. He almost reminds me uh, if John Wall would have gone to a small school. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, say John Wall decided he wanted to play ball at EKU. Like, because he has that much control. But yesterday, 16 assists or something like that. Mm -hmm. Triple-double. No, it's ridiculous. And I know most people probably haven't tuned in for a sports talk right now, but it's March and we're in Kentucky. So mm -hmm. that's what you're no going to get. You don't like it, you can hit the little 10-second skip button on your thing and you can fast-forward through it. Louisville lost yesterday. Kind of kind of disappointed mm -hmm. for Chris Mack. But, um, I just feel like that they haven't been right since that Duke loss. When they had them down. That's you know? that's when I saw Duke in person was the uh, UFL game. I feel mentally they've been the same. Yeah. Well, they kind of had a ragtag group this year. Yeah. And uh, I almost feel bad for Chris Mack having to take his first term in L as a Louisville head coach to a guy with the last name of Patino. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just a little bit of a smack in the yeah. face. Yeah. Like, you'd have to pay me for me not to believe that the tournament committee didn't do that on purpose. Have a little bit of the first game of the tournament. Yeah, it's going to be a 7 10 matchup. How about uh, Louisville and Patino? <laughs> that sounds good. And then uh, the last thing I'll say about the tournament right now is a uh, UK without PJ Washington. Yeah. Kind of scares me too. Mm -hmm. now, we're only a five point favorite for tomorrow's game. And Louisville was a nine point favorite yesterday and they lost. So five point favorites really flip a coin. Mm -hmm. There's really no word on his. When he may retire. Well, it kind of worries it's kind of me. Mystery, right? mm -hmm. I was actually out at uh, Taylorsville Lake doing some stuff for work the other day. I was doing some filming, and that's when I was. I had Sports Talk Radio on ESPN Louisville, and they they said PJ Washington's in a, a walking, walking boot. boot. Yeah, just precautionary. And I was like, well, he's in a walking boot. That's not necessarily a horrible sign. And then I listened to Coach Cal, and Cal's like, yeah, we're hopeful he'll play and probably be okay. And then the next day. He's in a hard cast all of a sudden. I was like, well, are they going to amputate his leg tomorrow? Or I mean, like, why are we getting worse here? It doesn't make any sense. So I just hope he comes back. Well, I think we could probably get past our next next game, Warford. Mm -hmm. They're good, though, man. Yeah. They're scary good. They yeah, shoot the three. If you go by the uh, whatever the new NCAA ranking is that everybody loves and net mm -hmm. uh, based on players specifically, they have the second best player in the country based on that. I don't believe it. Because I think John Morant might be the second best player in the country, and there's R.J. Barrett and a bunch of guys. But just based on stats alone, Walford or Wolford or however you pronounce it has a really, really good player, and they're mm -hmm. they're thirty and four, I think. So mm -hmm. yeah, they've won nineteen in a row or something crazy. Well, if we, if we get past them, we got five extra days for PJ's uh, half amputated broken leg to mm -hmm. to heal. I'll we, donate duct tape. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just want. I mean, I, and some you know, sticks and uh, maybe some a ruler paint. He's better with one leg than yeah. I am with two. So. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah no, Tape a ruler sure. to the bottom of his foot with some duct tape. And just, him on the back. I feel like UK athletics has more resources than that. You know, I don't feel like they're they're stuck. Uh, let's break that yardstick in half and tape his leg together. But no. No, but it'll be fun. I'm just glad it's March in Kentucky. Well, I'm glad it wasn't a fracture or anything like that. So. That's what they say, but I mean, it's going downhill quick. Soft cast, uh, hard cast, uh, gonna play to not gonna play. I just don't understand really what's going on. But who knows? Hopefully, we get them back. If we win tomorrow night, that means we have uh, four days to heal. I think mm -hmm. right Sunday through Thursday. I think we'll play again on Thursday. So we we'll have four or five days for him to heal up, and that's quite a bit of time. And if we get our full roster back, I feel as confident in Kentucky as I do anybody because mm -hmm. Virginia's a fraud. Gonzaga's won one game all year. Okay. And so I don't believe in either of them. And we're on the side of the bracket Virginia is. I mean, we've already beaten Tennessee. I'm not too awfully afraid of them. 
uh, UNC, we've already beaten. I see us potentially getting all the way to the final game if we're healthy and if everybody else is who I think they are. Because I know we beat, we can beat Tennessee. I know we can beat UNC. And I don't believe in Virginia because they're liable to be losing right now. I need to check my phone. They might, they might already be down to their number 16 seed. <laughs> but anyway, that's all we'll talk about at college basketball. I felt like we had to do it because we're it's in, that time of year. It's that time of year. And we're in the bluegrass day, so no it's almost like a ritual. Then we got the northern. Did northern get in? Northern's in. They play today. We got four teams in from the state of Kentucky. How about that? Murray, Northern, mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. And honestly, the uh, closest team to not getting in might have been Louisville. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a, I'm a Kentucky fan, so I might be here. They were comfortably in after they beat Michigan State mm-hmm. and UNC. And one of the games they did. I, honestly, Northern Kentucky is probably the one that was closest to not getting in. But I'm going to actually look at this real quick. The next thing I wanted to talk about was some new fishing regs. I saw those in the mm-hmm. new magazine also. Because mm-hmm. there are new regs for this year. Yes. One of which I know has to do with Asian carp that mm-hmm. we already talked about. It's about transportation and bait. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let Mike uh, clear that up a little bit because I think he's probably the man to talk to. And mm-hmm. then the other one that I know of for sure is size limits on walleye sawgrass species. Because they all look the same. Mm-hmm. Nobody can identify the difference in a sawgrass and a walleye. And that's causing problems, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, well, you're talking about sawgrass. Saw on the Ohio River. No, like, so for instance, we, we went fishing down below Lock 4, right here in Frankfurt, four miles down mm-hmm. the road, probably two miles of, of crow flies, and we caught two 21 and 22-inch fish that look like sauger, but that is a huge sauger, mm-hmm. and they had white tips on their tails, right? But no sauger. I thought those were sauger. Yeah, but no sauger had been stocked there. So I literally sent this picture to Lee, I sent this picture to several different people, and no offense to Lee or any of those other people because I couldn't do it either. Nobody could really come up with a definite, yeah, that's a saw guy. Oh, that's a saw girl. Well, that's just confusing. I mean, the hybrids in general, that's true even with white bass. Mm-hmm. No, it is, but the fact that no saw guy had been stocked down there yeah. led me to think, well, that is a monster, monster sauger, if that is a sauger. So, I mean, the fact is they're so hard to differentiate a saw they guy. Have, well, they have, you know, the white tail of the, the walleye and the dark saddles of the Sauger. Yeah, yeah. Had had all the characteristics of both, and it was in an area where no sauger, saw guy, excuse me, had actually been stuck. So if it was a saw guy, it was a naturally occurring saw guy, most likely. So I mean, it's just so hard to dif- differentiate between those species that we just combined. That's the right. right. It just clean up. Just yeah. to, it makes it easier for folks out there, and they don't have to. Question mm-hmm. it at that point. It probably so, makes it easier for our game wardens also because mm-hmm. I could well, easily right. see a game warden misidentifying one of those species as easily as we could. Mm-hmm. And, and just to be clear, that's a 14 inch size one. Mm-hmm. And it is now. It used, mm-hmm. and it, basically, what we did was split the difference, right? Mm-hmm. right. It mm-hmm. used to be 12 inches for sauger and 17 for walleye or something like no, that. No, I thought it was 16 for walleye. 16? Yeah. And I didn't think Sauger had a size. No, they didn't. Okay, well, see, I'm, I was way off, obviously, mm-hmm. then. Maybe I was just in the boat with somebody so who, you like... you can keep a, a two-inch smaller... Uh, no, it might have been 15 on walleye. Well, I think there's 15 on, on walleye, nothing on Sauger. Sauger. So now we're a little bit more restrictive on Sauger and a little bit less restrictive on right. walleye. Right. And a Sauger, obviously. But, you know, awesome, it, right? it evens out. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I should. Honestly, Sauger... Sauger, I catch all the times in the creeks, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a creek fish in the summertime. You mm-hmm. go up there and you're throwing your... Uh, I've caught a bunch in Elkhorn. And uh, you occasionally catch walleye out of, of mm-hmm. the Kentucky River. I've caught some of the Kentucky River. Yeah, I never... I need to go... T- 
target walleye. As far as I know, in my entire life, I've caught like two walleye in the state of Kentucky, which is a shame because it's honestly, it would probably be my favorite fish to eat. And I plan on this this year going to the uh, Nolan and trying to catch some there during the white bass run. I think if you go about two weeks early, which would probably be about right now, mm -hmm. I would say the walleye might be running up Nolan right now. Maybe something to look into. Somebody thought they caught a walleye. I think it went six pounds, eight ounces in the Salt River the other day. They sent me a picture of it. He was like, check out this walleye from the Salt River. Have you ever seen one there? And I was like, man, that's just a big saw guy. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? How big was it? It was like six pounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 24 inches long. I caught 25 inches at Gus Creek last year, though. So I was like, I know for a fact that the saw guy can get that big. I caught a 25, and my girlfriend caught a 24 last year at Gus Creek. And um, but he shot, it was much fatter than the fish I'd caught. But he caught it up in the salt. He was fishing for white bass and caught it. So, I mean, now might be a time to go up there. And the salt, obviously, those walleye species, sauger, sauger, walleye, they will run up the river systems a little bit before the white bass will. So, if you happen to go fishing right now in Nolan or the Salt or one of those other white bass streams, you might be a little bit too early for the white bass, but you might get lucky and catch a bigger, yeah, that's a, good point. Mm -hmm. a bigger, tastier fish. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, you talk about the, the size of those. Our, our guys, uh, Central Fisheries guys in the fall, when they sample, they, they sample six pound saw guy out of Gist Creek. I see mm -hmm. if I, I'm going to pull up so, my phone here and see if I can find Yeah, I mean, I, I know for a fact they're there. I don't know if you saw the pictures of the one I caught last year. I had a stringer so full. I was literally, I'd catch one, I'd look at it compared to my stringer, and I'd take the smallest one. I mean, I was calling saw guy, and I went home with 24, 25 inches. Let me see if I can, Michael Connors here. This is the guy that sent me this uh, picture. This is the one he caught the other day at Salt. Let's see if you can see that picture. Wow, there. wow, jeez. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a pretty big fat fish. That it's is a, a fatty. Next, so that's a fat one. next to his boot there, but that's, it has saddles. The bigger, it was actually 23 and a half inches. And then this right here is uh, the limit that I get. That's from Gus Creek last oh, wow. year. And that with well, the biggest one on wow. the right is 25 inches. Yeah, that's a pig. That's mm -hmm. when Tim Sloan quit talking to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I saw him today. Yeah. He, oh, really? Was he here? Yeah. He, he Every time I see Tim Sloan, he's like, oh, Chase, I'm going to get your girlfriend to take me fishing. And I'm like, why not let me take you fishing, Tim? He's you're dead to me. <laughs> he just tells me oh, I'm dead to him, but you know, he'll let her take him. Whatever, Tim. He has a no, no. He's done. He's done that to me. You're dead to me. You're dead to me. As soon as I caught those first couple saw guy, he'd been targeting him for like two years and didn't catch one. Didn't catch one. I went out my first night just off a hot tip and caught caught more than a limit. Was calling him out twenty five inches, and then the very next day, that's his, all it took. I was I was dead to Tim. Yeah, I took my girlfriend out. Uh, the very next night after I caught all those saw guy, and she caught four maybe, but one of them was 24 inches long. And I mean, after that point, Tim was just, he quit talking to him. Yeah. Oh, you know what? <laughs> well, while I have you here, Mike, there's a question I have for you that's really serious. Uh, you're the fisheries guy. You're the expert. I want to know why women are better at catching fish. <laughs> you know what? Have you ever noticed? I mean. That's fine. Oh, it is a fact. We went out on Dale Hollow with Chad two weeks ago, and we've gone three times, me and Kristen with Chad on Dale Hollow. And every time we go, she catches the biggest fish. Even with Chad up there catching four times as many fish, she catches more fish than me and a bigger fish than Chad every time Maybe we go. Maybe we're overthinking. Mm -hmm. 
She's got in the two years. I got big, bigger stripers than me. We're wondering about what bait to use and whatever. No. Probably I'll just be fishing. No, yeah. no, I feel like there's something. I don't know if it has to do with the planets and the stars or what it is, but for some reason, in the past one year of me being fishing with her, she's caught a bigger striper, a bigger largemouth, a bigger smallmouth than I've caught my entire life. And I've fished for these species my entire life. Like, how in one year of her fishing for these species does she outdo me on all of them? Well, then I think, doesn't she have a record? She has, I mean, she has some trophy fish. She's caught probably a nine and a half or ten pound largemouth yes. here in the state, which is pretty dang good. Mm -hmm. She's knocked all around five five pounds on the smallmouth store. Now she's looking for a line class record. Right? She she wants. Well, she's caught the line class record three times now, but we never have had it officially. Because I mean, the line class record down there isn't, no offense, terribly impressive for the female mm -hmm. on the smallmouth bass for six pound test line. And she's caught it three times, but it hasn't been an over. So really, in order to get that 21 and over inch smallmouth, she's going to blow away the long class record, which is like three pounds, 10 ounces. Mm -hmm. So she's caught four, eight, she's caught like four, 13, but we're really looking at the five pound fish is what we need to actually catch to keep. But she's caught it. We just haven't officialized it. And she'll end up, if I can, if I can do things like I want to, we'll break the uh, four, six and eight pound smallmouth female record because some little girl like 11 year old girl up in new york owns all of them right mm -hmm. now it's like come on bring those home bring yeah, them. it sounds like now's the time to go too yeah. they're catching them mm -hmm. i wouldn't doubt if by now chad has caught a five pound smallmouth in the time that we've been talking. is he down there right now he's on laurel with john southern oh wow are they filming a show no just fun fishing out of john's boat so uh john is an expert been on the boat with john he's awesome yeah you know what? And I'm not trying yeah, I've to. I've got some great pictures of him, John Williams, holding <clears throat> some gigantic. Yes, yeah, seven pounds small mouth. One of the more interesting things about John Southern, and I don't know the guy, so I don't want this to seem like an insult at all, but it's literally just an observation from the footage I've seen. I don't know if you guys know, John has Parkinson's mm -hmm. pretty bad, right? And so he throws this big six inch long trout imitating swim bait. And when he reels, just because of his condition, he kind of has like a slow, sporadic kind of jerking motion to his reel, right? And he literally put like five, five-pound fish in the boat before Chad caught one last year. And Chad's a pretty good fisherman. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wonder if there's anything to that sporadic jerking action of his retrieve. You know what I mean? Does that make sense at all? Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe it just looks more like a wounded fish just kind of sporadically jerking its way through the water. I I thought there might be something to it. It's slow and sporadic at the same time, which is something. We caught them on an old quarter-ounce lead head and a Kalen's Pearl four-inch grub. He wore them out. And he. Until the sun came out. It was raining. We put like four in the boat over 20 inches. Sun came out. We didn't get another bite the rest of that. Well, that's probably a technique I, I shouldn't give away, but if it was on the TV show, I wouldn't, but it's a podcast, so I will. But John, he literally, when Chad went down there to film that uh, show for him, and if somebody wants to watch it, just get on YouTube and type in Kentucky Field Laurel Lake, and you'll be able to find it, and or maybe Big Bass on Laurel. But John didn't want to give away his technique for catching mm -hmm. big fish, so he told Chad they were going to be fishing you know, this certain method, and Chad said they got down there and they fished for about 15 or 20 minutes. And they didn't have any bites. And John was like, all right, time to switch it up. And he pulls out this huge trout imitator and this heavy action rod. And Chad didn't have any gear to throw that. And he didn't have that bait with him. So John was throwing that technique. And Chad was still fishing like a Kitek swim bait. And John was just boating fish after fish after fish. And Chad just had to sit back and watch. But it was to the John point. John is good, man. Well, he didn't want to give away that technique to the point that he didn't even tell Chad that 
to prepare for I it. Or, the magazine too. He's a little cagey on me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's yeah. been around a while. Yeah, that's how that's how you get good though. Mm-hmm. He has his secrets. That's good. All right, so uh, we get off track so easy. Back to the fishing regs. The uh, the thing we already covered was the sauger, sauger, walleye, fourteen. Yeah, you were asking about the moon eye and gold. Well, the, so we know fourteen inch minimum size limit on those three species. Now, and the other thing I said there was something related to kind of the Asian carp. Yeah, yeah, you know the the young Chad and the young golden eye and uh, moon eye. They all look alike. They look just like a young Asian carp. Yeah. Asian carp look just like them. So yeah. in order to try to prevent uh, mistakenly moving Asian carp from water body to water body, which we're trying to control and prevent. Uh, we've got a reg to not move moon eyes and golden eyes from the water. Well, it's carp. really any shad species. Or You're right. That's right. Eye. That's right. Because this, this this adds to it because they all look alike. Really, I mean, let's just be honest. Because you can't use sport fish for bait. Right. All right. So, what could you catch and transport to use for bait now legally? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, yeah. Really, yeah, there shouldn't be. No. Yeah. No, don't move. The reg says you have to be returned to the waters from which they were collected. Yeah, as long as you can't use sport fish, then yeah, or bluegill, I guess you yeah, can. Yeah, you can get it from a bait dealer. Get your, get no, your fish from a bait dealer. But you can catch bluegill because there's no size limit, no, right. no restriction. Right. So, so bluegill might be the one species that you actually can. Because I remember last year we did a limb lining show and we went and we sained bluegill out of a small creek, a little one inch, two inch bluegill. Mm-hmm. And then use those for bait, but we were very careful to look and say, okay, that is a bluegill. It's not a shad species. Mm-hmm. And none of the shad species. I mean, that's the ones that yeah. really And a moon, a moon eye gold eye. I mean, obviously, when they grow up, they don't look like a shad. They got they're, they're almost as ridiculous looking as a Asian carp. <laughs> but and they're the most fragile fish in the world. I swear. Yeah, I've caught them before, and they've died within two seconds mm-hmm. of being out of the water. Which I don't like that. Yeah, yeah, they like that moving water. They have to be moving. But. Those uh, they look at just like a shad when they're young, and just for instance, we said earlier that there are Asian carp in the tailwaters of Taylorsville Lake, right? Right. There are none in Taylorsville Lake, so all it would take to completely destroy Taylorsville Lake and the headwaters is for some idiot, and if you do this, you are an idiot, to go down there with a cast net in the tailwaters, cast out, catch some bait, take it up above the dam, and fish for it, and lo and behold, they release five Asian carp into the lake, and then it's taken by the door. It's over. Yeah, exactly. So that's all it takes to completely ruin a fishery. And I know how many people out there care about crappie fishing on Taylorsville Lake and how many people care about the white bass run in the Salt River. And all those people, I'm talking thousands of them, would be so ticked off mm-hmm. if that happened. And they should be. I mean, people go out there and boat, they ski, they have a good time. All that stuff would be in jeopardy if something like that happened. So that's why these new rigs are out there, is to prevent something like that. What do you got, Lee? I just want to make sure we touched on that because that's new. First thing I want is a shameless plug. Um, <laughs> please, uh, we have a spring fishing frenzy series that I'm writing. Uh, I saw your video. Time. I saw your video today. Yeah. I can't. Well, I just can't watch it. I mean, my wife watched on the phone at lunch. I was like, turn that down. So just so everybody knows, <laughs> Lee uh, was in a video to, to advertise or promote the new spring fishing frenzy, which has nothing to do with Kentucky Field TV, unfortunately. I'm kind of mad at you for going behind us on that one. Oh, well, you should have asked. No, well. Well, 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 well. I, just told, I was told to do it, and I did it. Yeah. The boss asked you to do it. What do you do? I'm just saying. <laughs> we're back here. We're your friends. All right. Well, <laughs> I didn't want to do it anyway, so. You want to know. You also, <laughs> I'd rather you so, so, dirt sandwich. <laughs> so this whole thing, though, the way I understood but it. Go from, to our website. That's on. It's on the first thing. It's on the scroll. 
Um, we're going to have a series of articles there. It's going to run all the way till early May. We're going to profile this week was on white bass, which we should talk about here in a second. And yes, Mike was my source on that, talking about <clears throat> everybody. You know, I know the podcast is getting to people because I've received a couple of emails. Hey, when are you and Chase going to talk about white bass on the podcast? Mm, people care about the white bass. <clears throat> are are the just giant high water in February is going to screw up the white bass? Yeah, and people are really concerned. Well, those are good questions. Yeah, but you know they can pull those lakes pretty quick. And Taylorsville's at summer pool, no lens, four feet below. Uh, Green River is still twenty two feet above as of this morning. Um, so no land, people are really worried about no land being all blown out. Well, it's, it's in summer pool, four feet below summer pool. Here's so. what, here's what I'll say about the white bass before we get into this. So before we move off that, basically it's every Thursday you're going to be putting. Every Thursday we'll be putting a new one in. Yeah. Um, the third, um, they'll go out on Facebook, um, Twitter. We'll put a picture out with it. And, um, and then the video is just to promote this. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, look for that on Thursday. Different highlights, different opportunities each Thursday, basically. I think it's good. But uh, as far as the white bass goes, this, as far as statewide, especially in the bluegrass region, where you got no land and salt and all these other tailwaters, or headwaters, I mean, might be the most popular fishing event, mm -hmm. if I had to guess, in the entire state of Kentucky. I Before I knew about it years ago, I didn't really think a whole lot about it. I heard people talk about white bass, but now that I'm actually kind of tuned in to the white bass mm -hmm. run, Thousands of people get geared up and excited, just waiting for the white bass to start. Oh, no, speaking of that, my buddy Bobby, I was on the phone with him while I was in the restroom earlier, and he was asking <laughs> me to ask you what uh, what flies would be good because we're thinking about going Sunday. Up oh, for white bass. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I saw some guys last year when um, Kevin and I went, and they were from Derby City Fly Fishers, and they were they caught a bunch on little white streamers. That's yeah. right. I saw some of those guys. In the they were yeah. catching. Yeah, they were catching. So the white bass run, though, the reason I think it's so popular is because it's a bank fishing opportunity. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a boat. You don't have to have a canoe or and a kayak. They're on. It's just no. It's literally. You, I wouldn't if you were going to say one out of every three cast. I don't know if I'd bet mm -hmm. the over or under. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like when that run is on, it's like one out of every two or three cast. You're probably going to have a fish on. We had a bet one time for for a beverage. And, um, what kind of beverage? Is it well, a Coke um, or a Sprite? Yeah, it, it bubbled. Um, <laughs> burly pop. Yeah. <laughs> and who could catch the most? It was in Elkhorn. And we just, there was a slug when we first started doing those stockings in the Kentucky River. And they weren't very big. But I held it for a while at nine fish on nine consecutive casts. But my buddy beat me with 15 fish on 15 consecutive oh, wow. casts. Well, that's the kind of fishing it that's is. That's what so. you can do. That's why people love them so It's one of those things where I work here in Frankfurt, okay? I could get off work at 4.15 or 4.30 and jump in my truck and drive to Elkhorn or drive to the Salt River and have enough time to catch a limit and start calling fish mm -hmm. before it got dark. And that tastes good. Yeah, that tastes really good. I mean, it's like a very small striper. Mm -hmm. You still got red meat to worry about yeah, them, get all right? That, get that red meat out. Yeah, but I mean, it's like you get 15 of them on a stringer and you got yourself two or three days worth of meals. Mm -hmm. Very sporty. Yeah. Just very, just a really oh, hard oh, fighting fish. Fun. You can catch them two pounds, two and a half pounds. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. I've got strong. Oh, those 14 inches pull like crazy. They're well, great. And we also don't forget in some of these areas, we have uh, some hybrids mixed in with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and Taylor's and Taylor's hybrids, yeah. So, yeah. That's exactly right. That'd be a lot of fun. But so, that's that's why I think it's so popular. It's just for the opportunity, bank fishing opportunity, quick and mm -hmm. you know many places you can go, and it's just fast action and good eating. So, I mean, what's there to complain about the white bass run? Well, you know, uh, for some of the folks that thinking about fishing and mm -hmm. want to take their kids fishing or something uh you know, bluegill fishing is always good but this mm -hmm. would if, if this would be a good one to catch with yeah. your 
Oh heck yeah, because they pull a little bit more than the bluegill, right. and you know when 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 they're running, it's just kids. You know they get bored, they throw rocks, they look at throw sticks, and they grab do. bugs and stuff if they're not you know just they're not catching. But but when white bass are on, they won't have the opportunity because they're going to be reeling the fish every five minutes. Oh, I remember taking my son when he was young, and, and oh he was he was hooked. Yeah, this was two hours last year. That's our strain. Oh wow! All right, and that's a year. I yeah. saw that picture. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was, it was great fun. Go out there and just reeling in fish after fish after fish, and that's why it's so popular. But it's coming up, and honestly, now the question is, yeah, when when are they running? Well, I'm hearing sporadic reports already, not all the way up in the river. But Tim Sloan this morning said that he saw some pictures of people catching them in the headwater of Taylorsville. People are catching mm -hmm. them right now, mm -hmm. uh, but not like full blown yeah, white bass. Just starting, and, that, well, and that's a good sign. You haven't mm -hmm. missed it yet, but uh, mm -hmm. but the the pool and. The, and spawning, spawning dry, was trying to make it. Dry spell really helped it. One of the things Mike brought out in the article that's uh, posted on the Spring Fishing Frenzy is we need, when we get, now that we have the good conditions, a little pulse of water, not a heavy rain, but one just to get some flow in there, that's what really will trigger them to move no, up in our That might be Sunday. Mm -hmm. Why not? It's supposed to rain a little bit. 62 and rain. And then, then from Wednesday on, next week is all about be warm, 60. Warm, warm, warm. Yeah. I'm going fishing, guys. Mm -hmm. I guarantee it. Um, shoot, I had something in my mind just a second ago. We were talking about, oh, the reason, the way that they run like they do. So they don't just run up into the creeks because they feel like it. That's mm -hmm. how they spawn. Oh, that's how they spawn. Yeah, and the way right. they do it, the males will run up first, right? And so and the males are smaller. So the first time that the white bass running starts getting good, you'll have these smaller male fish, which are still eating size. And they'll run upstream. And then after them, you got the females, which are larger, and they'll run up. And how does the spawn work? Because the spawn actually uses the drift of the flowing water. Yeah, and there's a reason for that. They'll be spawning right below. Males and females get together and they spawn. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, either in the riffle or even just a little above it in that what they call the glide coming up mm -hmm. to the riffle. And there's a reason for that. They don't make a bed like a bass. And uh, they use that to... Uh, deposit the eggs mm -hmm. and the, which will adhere to the bottom mm -hmm. but that flowing water's got a lot of oxygen in it so that's that's the premier spot for them to mm -hmm. and i always today. thought that they used the current to actually spread the yeah yeah well, to actually spread the milk yeah. right yeah so the the that's why the males go up first they get a little bit upstream and right. the females come up and they lay the eggs and the males will mm -hmm. fertilize them just somebody knock on this door heard somebody knock on the door and anyway so they it could have been mr is there a bird begging on the window? Anyway, so they use the current. That's why they run upstream. Is because they use the current to both spread the milk and for the oxygen, you say, to keep everything oxygenated. That's right, yes. That's the spawning habitat, the riffles and the glides. All right. So I'm going to go. If you want to know a good bait to use, a inline spinner is great. It is almost. The, if you only knew what to do, get some silver, yeah. inline spinner, silver, white chartreuse, go with tails yeah. and just throw Go with a white maps or a rooster tail. Go with a chartreuse maps or a rooster tail. Go with a slider grub or an inline, like a beetle span or something like that. Anything I caught him custom. suspending the little Gary Skidmore's, too. But the, he's dead now. But it's a little, basically a small Popeye. Yeah. And sometimes pink is a really good color for yeah. white bass. It's I've like, done really well. It's pink. almost like trout colors, white, chartreuse, mm -hmm. and pink. And I've done it suspended out under a little bobber and just let it drift. And boom, then it goes. I've hammered him that way before. Bobbers are popular method mm -hmm. you see a lot of people fishing bobbers and you can cast it out and you don't have to worry about a quick retrieve you just pull it and let it mm -hmm. stop stop your bobber and then the bait will fall and if you see it pop 
Yep. You got one. Yeah, that's a good method. It's almost like a floating fly for white it bass. Is. Yeah, it is. Because you're running like a little beetle spin or something under it, like a little grub yeah. suspended under or the bobber. Or a little feather jig. You know, and the Gary Skidmore, he's dead now. Oh, yeah. He made the best little... Yeah. Uh, it, they're great for red ear and bluegill, but man, they work great on white bass. I too. still like the cast and retrieve. I mm-hmm. like I like the inline spinners and the, yeah. the grubs and stuff. Well, I, like the, I even like the curly tail. Just the, oh, curly tail grubs. Bag of curly that's, tail that's how I learned grubs. to catch them growing up as a white curly tail grub. And yeah. we used to sit. My dad, my granddad had a place on Harrington, and you'd see them marauding in the jumps. And the plunker and fly was invented in Harrington. Harrington was regionally famous for white bass. You told me about this. States all over. The plunker and fly, what it is, is because my buddy Bobby did try this. It's a floating fly, which would be like a grasshopper or something like that, right? And then below it, you have like a midge or a woolly bugger or something suspended below it. So it's like your bobber mm-hmm. is a bait. They call it a dropper rig in fly fishing. Yeah. But for white bass, they used, a, first it was a broom handle, and they would put a white doll fly below. Then they started using like pop-ons and tying um, off of the back, remove the, the back treble and tie the dropper off that. And if you saw your popper go backwards, you had them, or yeah. they would hit the top. So they would attract the white bass and lot. I, I did it a bunch. But for a while in Danville, you could buy a lure that had a eyelet on the side designed, it was a propeller lure designed to put the dropper on. And I've only had, I've still got it, and I'm almost afraid to throw it because I've never seen it again. And that's so. I've worn them out. Just rip, rip. That thing will disappear. Just yeah, sit there. Yeah, then, then be good for about half an hour and then done. So that's a, yeah, that's similar to what Bobby tried last year when we, went. we were too early, but he would just take that grasshopper popper, fly his fly on his fly rod, and he would, I don't know if he tied the, the leader directly off of it or if he took a hook off, but off that popper, he would have a woolly bugger or a, a, a nymph or something like that down there two feet below it. And then he would just pop that popper, and, and meanwhile, down there below it, Did underwater, uh, he caught some that day. But I think we were actually catching smallmouth. We we were ahead of the run, and I actually caught one bass. I put this on Instagram if anybody's on there. I thought it, it looked like a mean mouth. I swear, it could have been in the salt. Yeah, I mean, smallmouth in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's yeah, there's smallmouth. I mean, this thing did not look like a large mouth or a smallmouth. It looked like the perfect cross of both of them. And I was it wasn't like, was it? It wasn't Kentucky spot. bass. No. No, I'll show you a picture of it later. It didn't have the white. It was like a dark-bodied fish. You know how smallmouth only has the white on the very bottom mm-hmm. of its belly? It was like that. It barely had any white just down there on the bottom strip. And then it had like the, some patterning that just wasn't right. It looked like a smallmouth with pattern, which is something you can tell. Yes, I'm the mean mouth. They'll still have the, the vertical bars of a smallmouth that are really pronounced. Mm-hmm. Have you seen some of the mean mm-hmm. mouth like that? Yeah. But they, but well, then they're, got, they're in Lake Limbo. Yeah. yeah, they're in limbo. I never, I don't know for a fact that I'd ever caught a, a mean mouth. So I took a picture of this fish because I was like, that's just not right. And I've caught now enough small mouth and spots and large mouth to know. I was like, that's either a really weird looking small mouth or, or spot or that's a different type of fish. So I took a picture of it and I thought maybe it was the first and only mean mouth I'd ever caught. But you never hear about mean, ma- mean mouth and the salt. When I hear about them, it's always limbo because I know that they're for a fact in limbo. Are they, are they, uh, not, not too many Kentuckys have uh, spotted bass down at the Salt River. I mean, I not, a, a few, but not much. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I catch them mostly in the Elkhorn and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Right. Seems like they're always in flowing water. I'm mm, not, yeah. yeah. Now, I catch them in Nolan quite a bit, too. Nolan, Green, Cumberland. Got a bunch of Cumberland. Cumberland's a great place for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good ones. Yeah. I love them. A lot of people don't like them. I love them. And they taste great. By far and away the best black bass species to eat is spotted bass. Chad Miles shared a photo album with you. I just, I just got this text. Let's see what we got here. 
It's probably him trying to make me jealous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How big is it? Oh, uh, it's hard to tell. It's a fatty. Let me see if I can. He's with John. They're going to be big. He's, he knows what he's doing on that main lane. I wish I could download that. Surprise on a sunny day like that. You're doing good at all. It's tough. He, uh, he sends these photos in this weird uh, Google. He sends me like a... Like a, I, like a drive, like an iCloud photo sharing and stuff. I, I never know. How do I just save this photo? All right, let's see if I can just do it this way. Save image. Okay, now I can show you guys. Yeah, I'll show you this on, on air real quick, and then we'll jump off here. So I just want to see how big you guys think this fish is. Man, John Southern can't take a picture. I'll tell you that. It's probably a solid five. Mm-hmm. So, They're so fatty. Man, that's a too. fatty. Yeah. They're all like that in Laurel. If you can catch them. Don't you hear to take that and look at it close. Don't you think that's probably a good solid little yeah. little over five? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's five pounder, I think. Look at the, the mouth is the girth, his hand. The, mm -hmm. the girth on it's the most ridiculous thing. I, I was supposed to go on this trip, you guys, and just so you know, uh he told me a week ago, he said, Hey, next Friday we're gonna go fishing it. We were rescheduled. Laurel if you want to go, and then two days ago he said, uh, which you got that podcast on Friday, don't you? And I was like Oh, no. I completely forgot. Yes, I, I do, but I can probably talk to Lee and Mike. They'll probably understand. Yeah, he's I understand like, completely. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, you know, we'll go back down. I'll see if they're biting this time, and if they're biting, then, then we'll, we'll, get, we'll get back down there. And the truth was, I don't think he wanted to drive his own personal boat, because John had room for Chad on his boat, but mm -hmm. if I was going to go as well, Chad was going to drive his boat down there. So I, it probably saved Chad 150 bucks in gas for me not to go, but... I'm Tell he'll suck it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah. you're telling you just watch that gas gauge go down, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's why we always split cost. I'll get the rooms and he'll get the gas or something like that. And if Kristen goes, she'll buy the food. So I don't have to buy food the whole trip. He doesn't have to buy rooms or food. And it mm -hmm. kind of works out well. But anyway, so I guess Laurel's on today. If anybody wants an up-to-date fishing report, uh, five minutes ago, five-and-a-half pounders were being caught down there. That, I mean, that thing might be bigger than five. And a half. I know. It looks monster. Full. Uh, you can tell it's full of eggs. Oh, yeah. I'll put it off. Full of eggs and full of shad and rainbow trout yeah i'll have to do some of that picture but anyway throw, throw anything else out there you want to lee yep. I've, I've got nothing else so three good places uh taylorsville but you're talking about, for the white, the lake. talking about for the white bass yes and when, that's probably the best bank fishing don't you think oh, i think the wma you don't think nolan um nolan's got wma or redline access as well yeah, but i don't think it's as easy as, okay. to, but you know and Palmer road access if you get through there yeah. you know, there's plenty of Parking lot. It closes April 15th for dirt for turkey, so you'll have to park on that. You can't get down to River Road. See, some right now, I think you can drive them down River Road as right, well. Right, and there's a little pull offs to mm -hmm. park in. Um, Harrington Lake above uh, the Dix River VPA, it's off of uh, Kentucky uh, 52 between Danville and Lancaster. That's an historic area for white bass. That's what people for decades were catching. Uh, I did a piece with. Uh, Rick painted his uncles catching white bass up there on the cover. Do you remember that? I, mean, I saw we that. We ran a lot of the old vintage pictures. Those guys holding up beautiful strings of whites. Yeah, I remember that. With their that. metal rods and the old metal minnow buckets That's and all cool. that. great. I love it. But it's still good. Um, <clears throat> and you can get good bank access up there. And it's really pretty. You can see uh, Dick's River probably, that, that gorge would be uh, maybe a national park. I mean, it gives you an idea. If you've been below the lake, have come up for the Kentucky River and that gorge is just spellbinding. Yeah, well, the, Palisades. Well, the yeah, Dix sure. River, yeah, literally flows into the Kentucky about a quarter mile downstream of the Palisades. Mm -hmm. right. So it's right there. Yeah, it's, and it's just beautiful. Um, 
also no end, of course. Uh, Broad Ford's where a lot of people go. Uh, Kentucky uh, 1214. Um, some of it, as you go downstream, you're in core property. So, um, and that's excellent bank fishing as well. There, a lot of people come up from Bacon Creek boat ramp in their boats, but if you do watch your bottom because it gets showy at there. Yeah, I've seen people do that before. But I think probably No Lynn has the best run of the state, don't you think? Oh yeah, definitely. But those are three great places. You don't have to have a boat to go, and you should catch some nice white bass coming and, up. And they should could start as when do you think, Mike? Maybe this weekend. They're kind of running already. There's a, few, there's a few starting, and uh, that's a good sign. I don't think you're out of luck if you go anytime between now and tur- turkey season. Yeah, right? really. Right, yeah. right. Hell, last year, two days before Derby, we caught them. Yeah, it was two. It was uh, two years ago. I know that it was April fifteenth when we were down there catching them. So that's almost a month from now. Mm-hmm. And if you go down Palmer Road and you, and you see a lot of people fishing, don't let that discourage oh, you. No, that's, no, no. That, there's plenty of room, and that's a good sign. Listen, if there's a lot of people fishing, it's for a reason. That's right. Yeah. And there's two main parking areas off Palmer Road, and you can honestly park and walk down that road, then hop over across the WMA. And mm-hmm. last year, I walked up and down. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, you aren't going to bother people. If they're out there fishing from the bank, catching white bass, and you walk past them and start fishing 75 yards down, I mean, that's just how the white bass run goes. Yeah. It's not like you need 200 yards of bank no, to yourself no. so no but don't you don't want to get right up on something well, really either, but those no. fish are moving upstream yeah. so it's not like they're just stationary just sitting there all right anything else springs here isn't it great it is great can't catch them at home no nope, yeah. no nope. i will give a quick score update because uh jameson back there he has old miss in the final four right mm-hmm. well they're down 81 57 with uh two minutes to go who they play Actually, they're down eighty-one fifty-seven with seven minutes to go. Oklahoma. Mm, wow, that's the eight-nine game too, isn't it? Yep, eight-nine. Wow. Oklahoma put up eighty-one points with seven and a half minutes to go wow. so far. So, uh, sorry, Jameson, your bracket's bust. <laughs> that was you. And then uh, I was beating Cincinnati, in which I picked Iowa. So I'll take that. Oh, really? Cincinnati had them down early, bad. I just said lunch. They were I, down like fifteen to. Five or something. Well, it's an eight-point game with 30 seconds to go. I just got no faith in mm. Cincinnati. Ever since that Yancey Gates fight with Xavier up there, I'm just not a, I bet against them every year. Yeah. Anyway, let's go uh, Let's go fishing soon. Mm-hmm. If you guys want to hit the creeks, I'll be hitting the white bass run on salt. So, And um, farm pond time sometime soon. Yeah. That's right. I haven't been catching them. I've been, I've been out three times in my big fish pond. and I don't know if they got lockjaw or if they're just I gone. I think at night temperature could still be hurting the ponds. So well, it's going to be 29 tomorrow in the morning. You know, but you know, I mean, you can fish in the afternoon if that's the case, especially farm mm-hmm. farms. But um, my, uh, it's also the last few times I've gone been no moon. I think at night, no moon. I, I mainly go at night. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to go fish the farm pond next to my house today, but it gets clay red. I mean, it gets muddy red with rain, so it usually takes a few days. And last time I looked at it, it was just putting fish. You can go up there with any bait you want, and you aren't going to get a bite. Yeah, hog pen yeah. water doesn't. Do. Exactly. But anyway, I'm going to go ahead and hit stop, guys. Thanks for coming on. Thank mm-hmm. you, Mike. And we will all go fishing soon. Thanks. All right.